Welcome to the Solo Travel Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I am here to get you empowered, inspired, and excited to take your next solo travel adventure. Every week, we're going to share tips, we're going to dive into destinations, we're going to talk with other experts all about solo travel so you can learn ways to make the most out of your next adventure. So thank you for joining us. Enjoy this episode. Hello, solo travelers. Welcome to episode nine of the Solo Travel Woman podcast. I'm so excited to be back. I want to apologize for missing last week, but if you've heard, I have a new family member. On Thursday the 7th, I adopted a five-month-old Beagle Rottweiler rescue named Dean, and he's definitely keeping my hands full. Um, He's amazing. I love him so much, but as some of you know who have dogs, and especially when they were puppies, they definitely take up a lot of your time, and I just wanted to focus on him and getting him accustomed to his new environment and we're definitely still learning um, to not bark at everything we see but we are getting there so thank you all for being so flexible and understanding it really means the world to me and I am sure this is not the last you'll hear of me talking about my little pup so This week, I wanted to do a story time. Um, Obviously, I love traveling, and travel is amazing, and things are wonderful when you're on your journey, but things aren't always perfect, and things do still happen, and I have gone through some crazy things on on the road, and I wanted to talk about one of them in in, in particular today. Uh, when I was, it was 2012, it was March and those who know me know this story. So I apologize if I'm boring you. Um, but most of you do not know this story. So back in March, 2012, I was on my way to Las Vegas for my first work trip. For those who do not know, I work in corporate events. I produce conferences and trade shows and all of that kind of stuff. So I was on my way to Las Vegas for an IT conference because at that time I was working for a internet um, technology information systems company. And I was so excited. I wore a pantsuit. I felt like such a boss going on my first work trip. Um, I went over the top, like even got a new suitcase, a briefcase, all of those things. So um, definitely was excited. Come to find out, we were on a brand new plane. Um, It was only five days old. We were about to be their longest flight journey. So that was super exciting. Um, It was just a really, really exciting day. So we're on our flight and it's about three hours in to the flight. And I decided, I not decided, I mean, I felt the urge. I had to go to the bathroom, um, you know, and do bathroom things. So I'm in the bathroom doing what I got to do. And I noticed there's an ashtray, like, you know, remember the flip down things, those flip down ashtrays that would be in cars and so on and so forth. There was one of those in the bathroom. And my mind is just like, hey, wait a second. This is a five-day-old plane. You haven't been able to smoke in a bathroom since the 1980s in an airplane um, or on an airplane at all, not just in the bathroom. Um, Why is this even here? So what do I do? I start playing with it because I want to know if it actually works. And all of a sudden, I hear two dings. You know, like, you know, when um, when you're on the flight and they turn the seatbelt sign, those ding, that type of ding that goes off. So I heard a couple of those. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. They know I played with the ashtray. They think I'm smoking in here. Oh, my gosh. 
That wasn't the case, but that's where my mind went because that's what I was fixated on. So as I start to get up off the toilet, um, TMI, I know, (laughs) the door, someone's pounding on the door and I'm like, oh, it's occupied. Nice the first time. And then I noticed they're trying to pull on the door and you could see kind of like a little air gap as to where the door is getting kind of jarred open a little bit. And I was like, do you not fucking see the sign? It's occupied. Like now I'm getting angry and my Irish Italian personality is coming out and I'm, you know, saying some words and I finish washing my hands and I go to unlock the door and the door flies open as it flies open. I look up and it's this like six foot four huge dude and he's like I gotta get in there I gotta get in there and I'm like all right dude uh can you move so I can get out and as I'm moving out of the bathroom and now if you've been on a plane the doorways are not the most wide you know so for two people trying to get in and out at the same time it's gonna you know someone's gonna get hurt And so I'm pushing out as he's trying to push in, like he's not even waiting. And I, you know, get bumped into the door and I get a scratch, whatever, but no big deal. And he's like frantic. And then he turns and he's like, do you need water? And I was like, what? Like, I I just, I didn't even say anything because I was like, where where the frick is this coming from? Do I need water? You're pushing me in out of the bathroom as you're getting in and you want to know if I need water? So I go back to my seat. I'm in row eight. Okay. I just want to leave that out there because that's going to be semi-important later. Um, so I'm in row eight and I get back to my seat and I'm in the middle seat and I look at my boss who's on the aisle and I'm like, dude, this just happened to me in the bathroom. And he's like, well, calm down. Maybe he's just really sick. And I was like, I don't care. I'm writing a letter. And one of my favorite movies is the movie white trick, white chicks with the Wayne brothers. And one of the scenes, she's like, I'm going to have a BF. And everyone's like, what's a BF? They're like, she's going to have a bitch fit. And she's like, I'm going to write a letter. So that's kind of my thing now. Like whenever I get mad, I'm like, I'm going to write a letter. It's silly. It's obnoxious. Don't judge me. Um, So anyway, so I'm so, I'm fuming. Like I'm really upset because I thought that was so rude. I don't care if you're sick. There's no reason to be rude. Um, but whatever, I start to calm down, you know, I'm about to put my earphones on, watch some TV and chill out. Cause we still have like another three, three-ish hours to the flight or two and a half. So I, I turn on the TV and then I see the guy or I see the flight attendants up front and one of them comes and grabs a guy who's in row nine from behind us. So directly behind me. And they, at, they like whisper something to him and he goes up and then I see him get into the cockpit and I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I'm like, maybe he was sick, whatever. Um, and then I asked the flight attendant, I was like, hey, what, who's that guy? And she's like, oh, he's an off-duty pilot. Um, we just need his help for a little bit. And so I was like, oh yeah, okay, the pilot's definitely sick then probably. So they put the off-duty pilot in there, no big deal. So mind you, pilot's still in the bathroom, all of this is going on. Um, next thing you know, the pilot comes out of the bathroom. And so they're all congregating in the front, the, the three, I think it was flight attendants, the pilot and they're talking and it, and it seems a little bit intense, you know, but I don't think anything of it. I just think maybe they're, they're like stressed out cause he's sick. What do we do? Blah, blah, blah. But I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. I'm not like, oh gosh, something's going to happen. So they proceed to the back of the plane um, and like I said, I'm in row eight and it's, it's a huge plane. I mean, it's many rows. It's the kind, you know, with three on each side, three seats on each side. 
Um, so they go to the back of the plane and maybe about five, 10 minutes after they get back there, all of a sudden you hear a loud thump and you hear a woman. I don't want to say scream like, ah, but like kind of be screaming something, but I couldn't make out what it was, um, because it was so far back. And then you hear like loud stomping, running, you know, like do, 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 do running up the aisle and someone screaming, you know, there's a bomb on this plane. You're all sinners going to the city of sin. Iraq and Iran are going to take us all down anyway. So I need to do it because you're all sinners. All of this complete nonsense. Um, constantly saying that there's a bomb on this plane, that we're all going to explode. All of this horrible stuff he was saying. I'm terrified at this point. Um, like, and, and I know I'm not the only one. However, I was so terrified that, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was looking, I was like, what's happening? Is there someone else on the plane about to jump up and do something? Like what's going on? Obviously there was those people that were just sitting there with like phones already out recording. And I'm like, wow, that's your priority. All right. I'm sitting here crying, wondering how I can call my mom. And they're all, <laughs> and there's people like up there filming. Um, and so he's running up the aisle and all of a sudden this big dude gets up. Um, and side note, I'm going to Vegas for an IT conference. Those who live in the States know Las Vegas is known for conferences and trade shows. I mean, they have some of the cheapest, best, you know, convention centers in the country. And so also in Las Vegas at this time was a security conference. So this flight had a lot of big dudes, you know, we're coming from New York, um, New York city. And so you get these big, like Staten Island, New Jersey guys on there ready to go. And, (laughs) um, sorry, totally profiling those guys, but whatever. Um, so you get these big confident men on there and this one guy gets up and, you know, puts him in a chokehold and like brings him to the ground and they use, you know, the demonstrator seatbelt that they used during the demonstrations in the beginning. They used one of those to restrain him, but he actually broke out of that. So my boss, my other boss, so like the CEO of the company I worked for was sitting in first class and he had Prada, he had a Prada belt, which I mean, props to Prada, way to go for making a really durable, amazing product. Who would have thought that your product would be used to restrain a crazy pilot? Um, But my boss gave him his Prada belt and that actually held this guy's arms together. So he's he's getting restrained. He's still saying all this nonsense about bombs on the plane and, you know, we're sinners, we should all be ashamed. And then he starts saying all this biblical stuff. And, you know, I'm Catholic, I believe in stuff, but it was, it was actually quite scary to hear stuff coming out of this guy's mouth, what he was saying. And now I don't know everything verbatim, okay, because it's frantic. You have people screaming, people crying, this yelling, flight attendants on the phone, like calling down to ground control, all of this. It, to say it was a complete, like, it was a scene from a movie. Like, you don't ever think you're going to go through something like this. But then my anxiety and the way my mind works is... Now I'm sitting here saying all the what ifs like, oh, my God, is there actually someone in the cockpit that's trying to really take down our plane? Is the co-pilot involved? Like, are we going to go down? What's happening? Is there more people on the plane that want to take us down? Are we being hijacked? You know, like these are the things going through my mind because, you know, it's 2012. It's, you know, not that long. It's only 11 years or yeah, 11 years after 9-11. Like things, it was scary, you know, and you can't help but wonder what what else is going to happen 
And the what ifs just kept coming and coming and coming. Although traveling solo is one of the best experiences you can ever have, sometimes it does get kind of lonely. And sometimes it's really hard to find others who share that same passion of traveling and doing it on their own. And that is why I love Tourlina. Tourlina is an amazing app that allows women to connect with fellow female travel companions and locals within a secure and trusted network. It is safe and reliable. Every new user gets checked and only verified users can chat with each other. It's for women only, so you could still be part of that solo travel woman network. And it also just makes you want to travel. It's not a dating app and you're never gonna travel alone when you join Tourlina. So my viewers, what's awesome is Tourlina is giving you 50% off a one-year subscription. Use code Sarah. 50 and go to tourlina.com slash promo to get your 50% off. Again, that's tourlina.com slash promo for 50% off. All the details are in the description below. So all this is going on and I'm I'm a news person. If there's bad weather, if there's, you know, like what's going on in the world today, I always have either CNN or the Weather Channel on. I, I just am that person. And so I have CNN on anyway on the plane. And I, I, you know, I'm finally like, okay, they have them subdued. Maybe things are calming down. And I look over at the TV in front of me and I'm like, huh, that's us. Our like they're telling the story of what's happening on our plane. Now they don't know what's happening yet. So it's kind of interesting because they're like, you know, distress signals being, you know, all this stuff, but they don't actually know what's happening. And I noticed like a shadow on the side of our plane. I'm like, what is that? I open up, we look out the window. And so I don't know the real, like what it is, but apparently ever since 9-11, if there is signs of a potential hijacking or something like that. They send fighter jets up to escort the plane. Um, and if anything gets crazy and they start, like, they'll take the plane down because, you know, 300 lives on an airplane is way different than, you know, thousands of lives on land like we saw in 9-11. And I don't know all the details, so don't quote me on that. But something of that sort um, is what they were doing. So these fighter jets were brought up to escort us down. But I'm terrified. I'm like, oh my freaking God, what's happening? Like, why are these people, what is going on, you know? And so CNN is doing their stuff. It's very turbulent because now we're at cruising altitude, like 36, 40, whatever thousand feet that is. And we're, you know, making an emergency landing in Amarillo. So it's going quite fast because it's, you know, if we think there's a bomb on the plane, according to the pilot. So we have to land quickly and see what's going on. And so... You know, it's very, very turbulent. Like, you know, when you're on a roller coaster and you're going down and you fly up and your butt kind of lifts off. Like, it was that kind of turbulent where if you did not have your seatbelt on, you were going to get hurt. And so we're going down again. He's still saying all his craziness. And when we get, to, when you get to about 2,000 feet, you start getting cell phone service. So I noticed my phone had service and I called my mom and I was like, Mom, do you like, can you put on CNN? So she did. And she was like, oh my God, what's, this is crazy. I was like, mom, that's my plane. I'm still on the flight. Um, I just wanted to let you know we're, I think we're okay. I think we're landing, but I just wanted to say, I love you, blah, blah, blah. 
So I freaked out my mom. (laughs) And so next thing you know, though, she, I don't know if like someone from the Buffalo news station was like, if you know of anybody and she reached out, but like she reached out to the Buffalo news station, this guy, Mike, with one of the uh, more popular news stations in Buffalo, she reached out to him. And so anyway, and I'll get into that in a minute, but so anyway, so we, we, um, we're landing, you know, I'm seeing us on CNN, all this stuff. And then I look out the window and it's like a sea of blue and red lights and black cars at the, on the Tamarack at the airport. Like it is insane. The amount of SWAT and police that came there. They had the bomb squad. They had all this stuff because again, you don't take chances if someone says there's a bomb on a plane, like you're going to look. So we land and we're sitting on the plane for the longest time because they have to check every person, everything, so on and so forth. We have to come off one by one. They had to get him off first, so they brought in a medical team. I mean, he was restrained. They had to take him off. In a, they took him off like in a straitjacket on a wheelchair type thing. You can Google it and see the time or the New York Times, you know, front page with his picture on it and like what they did. Um, so they get him off the plane and then, you know, slowly one by one, we're getting deplaned and we go into the Amarillo, Texas airport and we all had to sign affidavits and, um, we had to, I, I had, I was one of the first ones because I was physically in an altercation with him. Um, you know, when I was coming out of the bathroom in the beginning and when I got the scratch and like how frantic he was. So like, I'm sitting there telling that story and, after I was done, like we were all hanging out at a bar in the, in the airport. Cause you know, we were chilling. They had to send a new plane and a new crew, which I just want to say the crew that was on that flight, the flight attendants and, and the co-pilot and oh my gosh, if you were to ever go through something stressful on a plane, you would want these people because I wish I knew their names still and like all that stuff because they were so calm. So like, holy crap. Like they did so well with their training and they just knew how to keep people calm. And even the one woman, I think she had like bruised ribs or something. The one flight attendant that like got pushed over when he did the first stampede up the, up the aisle. Like I just can't get over how amazing they were. And so I just want to shout that out for sure, because I just, I think the flight would have been a lot more frantic if it wasn't for them. And so we're all at an airport, at the airport, we're all at the bar, and I mean, I'm like, Bud Light, Bud Light, give me all the Bud Light, yes, I am basic, um, and so I'm drinking, we're drinking, my boss is like buying shots, like, we're just like, I give, what the frick just happened, and I love social media, I mean, clearly, it's my, it's part of my business, and part of my job, so I tweeted, like, I can't believe this flight, so on and so forth. I'm not going to say those details. If you want to Google it, go ahead and Google it and find out. I just, for priv- for privacy reasons and stuff, I'm not going to say the airline and that kind of stuff. But um, so I tweeted out what happened. And next thing you know, I had a DM from Good Morning, like a producer from Good Morning America, Inside Edition, the Rowan Roper show in Chicago, um, and then I got a phone call with a voice message from a Buffalo, a guy from Buffalo, from a Buffalo news station because my mom reached out to him. So, so anyway, so we're in Amarillo for about five hours, you know, we're just chilling there and the new plane comes and I'm just, I'm scared, but I'm like drunk now at this point, to be honest, and too tired to care about the fact I'm getting on a plane again. And so I get on a plane and we get to we get to Las Vegas finally, like late, I think it was like almost, oh God, like midnight at this point. And we get to Vegas and I, um, 
I'm greeted at the airport by the producer from Good Morning America because they have pro- production staff and things like that in LA or in um, yeah in LA. And so she took a flight to LA to meet or to Las Vegas from LA to meet me. And so she meets me at the airport and she's like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna do the interview at like five in the morning tomorrow because you know to coordinate with time on the East Coast, so on and so forth." I'm like, "Great." Um, and so, you know, we get to Vegas. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm going to bed. Like that was that. And the next morning, um, like I said, I got up early. I was on good morning America following that inside edition, um, following that did some phone interviews with CNN, Rowan Roper show in Chicago, the Buffalo news station, all this stuff. And you can Google Sarah straw, put Sarah straw like airplane or something like that or flight or something Sarah straw flight um because again I'm not going to tell the airline and stuff like that but if you google me you'll see my my um my uh appearances um I guess and you know I didn't do this for fame or anything like that like I said I tweeted because I was just angry (laughs) um and like I was just gonna write a letter all this stuff and so you know that was that we go through Vegas I get home I'm terrified. I can't sleep at night. I'm having nightmares. I'm not able to go to bed. I'm not able to even get an ounce. I mean, I'm terrified of everything because of this. It was really, really bad. So I get into counseling and some other stuff went on, but I'm not allowed to talk about that. But, um, so yeah, so I get into counseling, all this stuff and then news articles and stuff like that start coming on. I'm like, what the heck happened? Like, why did this happen? So come to find out, before the pilot left the cockpit and, like, did the whole bathroom scene with me, um, he was, like, reading sermons and, like, saying all these biblical psalms and from the Bible and, like, talking about sinning and that he needs to, we all need to repent for our sins and that we should all be sacrificed, all this stuff. And the co-pilot just kind of was like, "Mm, something's not right here. And he had such amazing instincts. So again, the co-pilot really did save our lives. I really, truly believe that because since 9-11, cockpits are equipped with a fire axe as like a defense um, like weapon um, should anything happen again. And also the cockpit doors are now easily armed so or coded. So this way the co-pilot or whoever can change the codes if they need to, so on and so forth. So the co-pilot was really of sound mind was like, hey, why don't you get some water, chill out, come back when you're ready, blah, blah, blah. And in the meantime, he radioed, you know, out to the flight attendants and said, hey, something's going on. I'm going to be changing the code they knew an off-duty pilot was in the on the flight so he said bring this off-duty pilot in whatever and obviously I don't know exactly what was said but things along these lines and so they do all that they bring you know the co-pilot in or the off-duty pilot in and they change the codes on the door so the pilot can't get back in there because he tried um he definitely tried to get back in there before they tackled him down and um and like I said like thank god the co-pilot was of sound mind and like can register that something was wrong because that pilot could have easily done something to him in there without us knowing because we're not in the cockpit and could have taken us down like that's what I mean like the what ifs I think get to me sometimes even to this day um 11 years later um or not 11 years later nine years later right yeah nine years later it still gets me like it still gets to me the what ifs and I still get nervous And, you know, I didn't fly for like a year. Um, I was terrified and my job was centered around flying. So I actually left that job kind of because of this, because I just couldn't do the traveling 
And I went into a job that I knew I wasn't going to have to travel as much. And I was, I was terrified. So it did, it took me about a solid year, um, to, to fly again. And then I did it. And it's so funny because I actually use this experience as my way of being like, well, that happened to me once. It's so rare to happen in general that it's nothing's going to happen to me again. Now, knock on wood. Um, but you know, the purpose and the reason why I tell this story is because again, like I love traveling and I am someone who is always saying, never let fear hold you back from exploring the world. This is a prime example of something that I could have let completely inhibit me from taking any other adventure and taking any other journey and ever getting on a plane and traveling again. And I didn't do that. It's all about mindset. And it did. It took me some time. Again, I took a whole year where I did not fly. I was in counseling. I went through some stuff, had night terror. Like I went through it. I was terrified because I'm thinking if a pilot's going to do it, who else can do it? You know? And, um, but again, I, I don't tell you this story to scare you and be like, oh my God, I'm never flying. No, I tell you this story to say, hey, things happen. It happened to me. It's very rare, but it happened to me. But I didn't let that fear and that experience stop me from continuing my passion of travel, continuing my passion in my career, which is centered around travel and to really continue, you know, living life to the fullest. Because if you constantly let your fears hold you back, if you constantly let other people who say, oh, that's a waste of money or, oh, that's a scam or, oh, you're going to fail or, oh, why would you do this? Or, oh, don't go alone. Something bad's going to happen to you. If you constantly let other people's fears Um, because that's where those comments are coming from is their own fear. If you let other people's comments like that and other people's fears get in the way, you're never going to live a fulfilling life. Your life is always going to be coasting. You're always going to be just day to day, getting by, going through the motions. You are never going to be able to sit there and say, wow, I've lived my life every day to the fullest it can possibly be. And I am truly happy. And so that is why I tell you this story. Um, And I hope it inspires you. I would love to know if you have any crazy travel stories, because I have plenty. Um, If you like these type of stories, let me know. I would love to do another one. Maybe I'll do a compilation one of like a ton of different crazy travel things I've been through. But it's just... It's definitely, it's definitely something for the record books. It was, it's something I will always remember. And it continues to push me to know that things happen, but if you get through them, boy, does it make you stronger. So thanks for listening this week, y'all. I hope you have an amazing week and I will see you next time on the Solo Travel Woman podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Solo Travel Woman podcast. Please be sure to follow us on Apple Music and Spotify and give us a rating so we know how you're enjoying the content. Also, don't forget, sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with the latest information from Solo Travel Woman.